0: this morning I want to talk about the subject of redemption and uh, as I was thinking about it this week studying preparing for what I was going to say my mind went back about a month ago to a picture of a man by the name of Gilad Shalit Shalit a 23 year old Israeli soldier who was shown on national television after being three years in confinement in a Palestinian prison and uh, he was captured in June of 2006 by Hamas and other insurgent groups he was taken into custody Um, he was hurt and they drug him into Gaza and for three years the Israeli government and the people have been concerned about him and his release when his picture appeared on national television in fact worldwide television uh, a a group of German and Egyptian negotiators working for his release were able to secure it with the understanding that if Israel would receive him back they would give in return twenty Arab women who had been taken into custody and so this Transaction was carried on and there in a sense was the act of redemption Shalit was released when the 20 women were uh, given back to the Palestinian folks and uh, these 20 women became the redemption in order for this young Israeli soldier to be able to return to his family well, it makes me think about the fact that when you and I are born, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we are born, we are born into a world of sin. And in a sense, we are on sin's auction block. And we are hopeless, we are destitute, and we are in need of salvation. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood and his death, his blood, was the redemption price to secure our release from bondage to sin. And so the word redeemed is used in the Bible in several places, and it's translated from uh, four or five, maybe six different Greek terms that help us understand each giving a different nuance of the significance of what it means to be redeemed the Bible says that because we are redeemed we have eternal life because we are redeemed we have freedom from curse of the law because we are redeemed we are adopted into his eternal family we are delivered from the bondage of sin our redemption gives us peace with God and because of our redemption we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and as a result of this you and I go to church on Sunday morning we gather together with the body of believers but the church is not a building the church is us we are the church so in a sense we don't go to church we are the church And in light of the fact that we have been redeemed, and when we understand the significance of what it means, we then are free to function doing church during the week. Every day of the week is a call to the church to be enacted in a sinful, needy environment. So we don't do church. We are church because we're redeemed. This morning I would like to look at four facts that we need to understand to be able to grasp the significance of being redeemed by Jesus Christ. Four facts that I want us to look at. And I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles, first of all, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. When we talk about redeem we understand that the word means that Jesus bought us back from the slave market of sin. He has released us from eternal damnation, and he has given us a future and a hope. And the first fact that we need to understand then is that Christians are set free from slavery to sin through a payment made by Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. Redemption takes place through Jesus' death on the cross, and in particular, as we're going to see this morning, it's his shed, his shed blood that becomes the redemption price for our release, for our freedom. So Christians, number one, are set free from slavery to sin through a payment made by Christ through His death on the cross. That's the first thing that I want you to see, fact number one. Fact number two, the idea of redemption in the Bible is firmly rooted in the Old Testament. The idea of New Testament redemption is firmly rooted in the Old Testament. For example, the Old Testament tells us that according to the law of Moses, A man who owed money, who owed more than he could pay, could actually sell himself into slavery to the person to whom he owed. He could sell himself into slavery and they would agree upon what his work was worth and by that determine how long it would take for him to get out of debt. But in the Old Testament, legally, a person could place himself in slavery to another individual in order to pay off a debt. We are also told that every seventh year that a person was released from his indebtedness uh, uh, according to the law of Moses. It was a natural thing where where the slate was cleared and you owed nothing. Interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, sometimes an individual who owed more than he could pay would enslave himself to another man, pay off his debt, but love the relationship with that man so much that he would spend the rest of his life enslaved to that individual working for his board and room people would actually do that in the Old Testament people would enslave themselves to other people in order to pay off a debt so the idea of redemption is firmly rooted in the Old Testament number three the meaning of redemption is made clear through an understanding of four New Testament words there are several I could choose from I'm just gonna pick four this morning And I'll ask you to follow along with me. When Jesus came to Israel, the nation was under Roman control. We all know that in the New Testament time, Jesus' arrival on the earth in the city of Jerusalem, Rome was in control. And we also know that in those days, under Roman rule, slave owners were often brutal and the life of a slave was extremely miserable. Roman soldiers many times in returning from military campaigns would march through the city, would parade through the city, and they would showcase the, the booty, the, uh, the stuff that they had taken from their military campaigns and the people that they had conquered. They would showcase this junk uh, or these... Uh, um, uh, items that were of value bring them back to Rome and what they didn't give to the administrators were sold on the auction block and wealthy people under Roman rule loved to go to the marketplace because there many of these items were auctioned off to the highest bidder and also at the marketplace in addition to all this stuff there were slaves People captured from these distant, remote regions brought back to the uh, homeland, paraded through the streets, and then those who weren't given to political administrators were sold on the auction block, and wealthy people loved to go down to the marketplace, the agura in those days, and bid on a slave. Now with that picture in mind, the New Testament writers saw a comparison between the slave of that day and the, the, uh, the person born into this world, born into sin. As we mentioned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so for the purpose of illustration, the Apostle Paul, Peter, and others took this transaction that took place in the marketplace, selling slaves to new slave owners as an example of what it was like to be born into sin, placed in the marketplace of sin, and and uh, watching the expressions on these slaves faces they drew from them a sense of despair a sense of hopelessness that these individuals faced as they faced the future being enslaved to someone in a new territory in a new land and the word redeemed developed a sense of understanding out of the relationship of the slave on the auction block in the marketplace so with that in mind we come to the first word the word "agarazzo." it means to go shopping at the marketplace "Agarazzo" means to go to the mall it means to go shopping the marketplace was the public assembly the marketplace was where political meetings were held the marketplace was where judicial hearings took place The marketplace is the place where the loafers in the community hung out looking for trouble. The marketplace was the place where children played. And it was the place where people were bought and sold like animals. The Agora. The word Agorazo means to buy out of the marketplace. The Greek word agorazo means to buy out of the marketplace, and that word is translated in our English Bible, redeem. If you look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, you will see where John has taken the reader to heaven. He has taken us to the throne room of God and around the throne room of God there are the elders and there are the living creatures giving praise and thanksgiving to God. In verse 9, And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Now, in my New American Standard translation, the word purchased, is a word that is many times translated redeemed, agorazo. It means to buy out of the marketplace once again. And that's the term that John uses as he describes this heavenly scene. He says of Jesus, you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Meaning that you bought us out of the marketplace and the redemption price was your blood, your death uh, given on our behalf. So here we see that you and I have been purchased for God, redeemed for God, paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now there's a second place that this word is used, Actual, actually many places, but uh, the second one I want you to look at is in, found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And by the way, we're going to pop around to several different passages. But now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if it helps you to turn to the, uh, to that page that gives the table of contents and the page number, I would encourage you to do that first corinthians chapter six verse nineteen the word agorazo is used again first corinthians chapter six i'll read verses nineteen and twenty or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. You have been redeemed with a price. You have been agorazzoed with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20 we're told that Jesus bought us and therefore we do not serve ourselves but Him. Because we have been bought with a price Because we have been redeemed with the price of His blood, because Jesus has bought us out of the marketplace, we no longer belong to ourselves, but from this point on, we belong to Him. Therefore, what He wants for us is more important than what we want for ourselves we no longer belong to ourselves we have experienced a new relationship with God and in that relationship to Him we are slaves and yet somehow in that slavery to God we are free. We are free for the first time in our lives. A gem dealer was strolling the aisles at the Tucson Gem and Minerals show years ago when he noticed a blue-violet stone the size and shape of a potato. He looked it over, then calmly as possible asked the vendor, so you want 15 bucks for this? The seller, realizing the rock wasn't particularly pretty, as pretty as the others in the bin, so he lowered the price to 10 bucks the stone has since been certified as a 1905 carat natural star sapphire it's about 800 carats larger than any of the largest of its kind and it's been appraised at two and uh, a quarter million dollars it took a lover of stones to recognize the sapphire's worth And in a similar way, you and I were born into this world, placed on the market block of sin. Jesus walks by and sees the value and the significance in your life, more than what you can see, more than what anyone else can see. And He redeemed you, He bought you with His own blood and gave to you your freedom and gave to you a new family inviting you into his family. It took a lover of people who had the ability to see the worth of the individual to draw him to me and to you to redeem us from the slave market of sin and as a result we no longer serve ourselves but we serve him. The second word I want to share with you this morning is a word similar to Agarazzo. it's the word ex agarazzo. The word ex means to, uh, means out of or from. The prefix means out of or from could be understood to buy back or to buy out of, meaning that ex means to go shopping for something to take it out of the marketplace. Redeemed in this sense means to be taken out of the marketplace of sin. And I would invite you to a passage in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, where Paul chose this word in this context to communicate the idea of redemption. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. There the word redeemed, ex agarazzo, to buy back or to buy out of the marketplace. Here we're told that Christ redeemed us or bought us out of the marketplace in order that we might not experience the curse of the law. Now what it was the curse of the law. Verse 10 tells us what this curse was. For as many, of, as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse for it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So the curse of the law is that if you break one part of the law you've broken the whole thing. James chapter 2 verse 10 puts it this way if we keep the whole law and offend in one point we've broken the whole thing meaning that the law condemns us we break the law in one place we've broken it in every place it seems unfair seems like if you keep the whole law if you offend in one point you should just be penalized for the one point. But as far as the holy and righteous God is concerned, one sin disqualifies us from heaven. One sin is as bad as breaking the whole thing. So we begin to understand the nature of a holy God, and we begin to understand what God expects of those who spend eternity with Him. He expects holiness. He expects absolute perfection. So we can begin to understand that when we're standing on the uh, marketplace of of, uh, slavery, we can begin to understand the serious situation that we're in, that if we break just one part of the law, we're guilty of the whole thing, as far as God is concerned. But here we read that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We have been redeemed. We have been bought out of the marketplace of sin. Our, trans, our violations, our sins have been paid for. The consequences of our sin have been taken upon the body of Jesus Christ when He died on the cross. We have been redeemed through His blood. We are now a part of the body of Christ. He bought us out of the curse of the law by taking the curse of God on Himself for us. He substituted Himself for us. Redemption involves substituting Himself for you and me. The word is also used in Galatians chapter 4, just across the page. In my Bible, verse 5. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Here the word redeem refers to our new family. Redemption means that Jesus brought us into His family. He adopted us into His family. We become His adopted sons and daughters. Again, what was the cost? Back in the first part of the verse, that He might redeem those who were under the law, the cost was His death, the cost was His blood. And He paid for us, He bought us back in order to return us back to God and to allow us to be adopted into His family. Redemption. You and I have been redeemed. James W. Cox
1: wrote, Some time ago I passed through Louisville, Georgia, standing in the center of town, is a slave block built in 1757. As I saw it, I thought of an incident associated with another slave block. It was in New Orleans, and an attractive young Negro girl, 17 or 18 years old, was being sold. She had been taken from her parents and was bitter over the whole experience, he writes. When she turned over to the, when she was turned over to the highest bidder and he came to take her, she said defiantly, Well, what are you going to do with me? Much to her surprise, he says, give you your freedom. And saying this, he handed her the papers of emancipation. God did the same for you. God did the same for me through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, we were on the slave block of sin, completely condemned by the law of God, cursed because of our offenses against him, Jesus stepped forward through His death on the cross, paid the cost of our redemption, paid the cost of our emancipation, and brought us into His eternal family. Neil Anderson is a friend of mine, and I've been to some of his classes, and I've read some of his books. And in one of his books, Living Free in Christ, Neil Anderson adds these benefits of Christ's redemption on our behalf. As a result of being redeemed, 1 Corinthians 3.16, I am the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm a minister of reconciliation. Ephesians 2.6, because of my redemption, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2.10, I am His workmanship. Ephesians 3.12, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now these are blessings that not everyone in this world can claim. They are only true of those who have been redeemed. Those who have been bought and paid for with the life and death of Jesus Christ through His shed blood. The third word that I want to bring to your attention is lutrao. Lutrao. The Greek word means to release upon the receipt of a ransom. The term conveys the idea meaning to set free, to rescue through the payment of a price. Paul sees this expression in the book of Titus. I would invite you to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Notice here verse 14 that Christ gave himself for us. His life was a ransom on our behalf. And as a result, you and I are set free from the consequences of every lawless deed. And his desire, according to verse fourteen, for you and my, uh, you and me is to purify us for Himself, not purify us, make us clean for us not purify us clean us up for the church but to purify us for himself his own possession in other words he rescued us to make us clean with a desire to do good deeds with a desire to do good deeds. One of the marks of a child of God is that he doesn't want to be impure for his Savior. One of the marks of a child of God is that he doesn't want to live a life of the world, a life of the flesh. And when he does, he feels guilty about it because the Spirit of God who indwells him convicts him of the sin, makes him feel uncomfortable because he realizes he has been born and born again not to live a life of selfishness or sinfulness, but to live a life of purity and good deeds. We don't do good deeds in order to inherit eternal life. We have eternal life. We have been adopted into His family. We have been set free from the consequences of sin. We do good deeds because Jesus has done all of these things for us. And therefore there is a completely different motivation to the child of God. To the redeemed child of God. Peter uses the same word in 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn over just a few more pages toward the end of the book. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Lutrao. Titus tells us we are redeemed from evil through the payment of a price. Peter tells us we are redeemed from an empty way of life through a ransom. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as a, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Peter is telling us you and I were not set free the way a slave on the auction block is set free through gold or silver. You and I weren't paid for with earthly money. You and I were paid for with The unblemished and spotless blood of Christ, verse 19. Leslie Flynn told of an orphan boy who was living with his grandmother when the house caught on fire. The grandmother perished in the flames trying to get to her grandson in an upstairs bedroom. The boy's cries for help were finally answered by a man walking down the sidewalk climbed an iron drain pipe and came down with the boy hanging tightly to his neck. Flynn goes on in the story to tell several weeks later a public hearing was held to determine who would receive custody of the child. There was a farmer, a teacher, and the town's wealthiest citizen. All gave reason. They felt that the child should be brought to their home. But as they talked, the lad's eyes were focused on the floor. When a stranger walked to the front and took his hands from his pockets, revealing severe scars on them. As the crowd gasped, the boy cried out in recognition. This was the man who had saved his life. His hands had been burned when he climbed the hot pipe, and with a leap the boy threw his arms around the man's neck and held him for dear life. The other men sat down, leaving the boy and his rescuer alone. The marred hands had settled the issue. Listen, my brothers and sisters, today you and I hear many voices that call for our attention in this world. Among them is the voice of the Spirit of God, representing Jesus Christ in His nail-pierced hands, reminding us that He rescued us from the consequences of every lawless thing that we have ever done. And He deserves our life. And He deserves every good deed that you and I can possibly imagine. Which brings us to the fourth word that I want to bring to your attention this morning. Apolutrosis in the Greek refers to the completeness of our redemption. Apolutrosis. The term, if you were to define it, means to set free or to release. can be translated pardoned or dismissed, sent away. The expression refers to a price paid with the result being a complete deliverance. Jesus has apolutrosis you and me. He has redeemed us. And the word is used in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. Romans 3 verse 24. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Apollutrosis. Romans 3.23, we are justified or declared righteous by being redeemed. Jesus redeemed us by His grace so that when God looks on the child of God, He sees the righteousness of His own Son. That's what it means to be justified. Justified means to be declared righteous. When He looks on you, when He looks on me, He does not see the sins of our past. He does not see the sins of our present. They are all covered by the blood of Christ. Jesus has paid the consequences of our sin and placed us in a position of righteousness, meaning that when the Father looks on me, he sees the righteousness of his Son and declares me to be so. And someday you and I will be completed in righteousness when we stand before him. Well, how does he do that? According to Romans chapter 3 verse 24, if you look at verse 25, he gives us an explanation. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. God displayed publicly as a propitiation. What does that mean? means to appease or atone. The Moody Bible handbook says, The holiness of God was fully satisfied by the gift of Jesus Christ. God's wrath was appeased, and His righteousness demands were met through the atoning death of Christ. This allows God to pass over my sin just as He passed over the homes that were covered by the blood in the Old Testament. God passes over my sin previously committed because of what Jesus did for me. The last verse I'll take you to is Ephesians chapter 1 where apolutrosis is also used. Ephesians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace.